Let me just tell you a little bit about me so you know why I'm here and why would I do what I do. I live just north of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, my husband and I have eight children and six grandchildren. And in 1995, I was a patient in a mental hospital. So welcome to the so that's my story, and I hope, especially if you're here for the first time, that you won't think I'm too flip about mental illness. But if you do, I would say, as I always do, that's my story, that's how I share it, and that's the story that brings me to you today. So welcome, friends, to Consider Yourself Hugged, Episode 21. Today's hug, Life Lessons from Women in Prison. I am Dr. Tammy West, here every week to bring you tips on living a life that brings you mental and emotional well-being. So I'm recording this particular topic today because I realized a few days ago that nine years ago this month, I presented a managing emotions class to the female inmates at Danbury Federal Prison in Connecticut. And that is the actual prison home in which Piper Kerman stayed. In case you're not familiar with Piper Kerman, she is the main character in the Netflix series Orange is the New Black which is, it's based loosely on her book, which I've read, okay? And yeah, the series is a little rough. It's got a few rough spots. I probably wouldn't watch it with my children. But before you judge, just stay with me. The experience was life-changing for me, and I want it to be life-changing for you too. Now, I can't, I don't have any pictures because obviously they're not going to let you take your phone back in a prison And even if they would, it was 2010, so I don't think we were taking pictures on our phones then. But I will put some stock images in the show notes. I want you to kind of visualize it even more so than just my storytelling. So let me just go through with you exactly how this went for me and then a few lessons that I learned from this experience. So I got to Connecticut the day before, and I drove to the prison that evening so I would know where it was. You know, I wanted to have this sense of comfort. And I expected that I was going to have to drive out to the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's a prison. So I'm driving through the town, and I notice this sort of park-looking area up on my right. And then I realized that at the top of that park-looking area, like at the top of the hill, peeking through the trees, was a big white building and barbed wire. It was the prison. It was right in town. It was right off the road. I actually passed it. So so I turned because it was like, boom, it wasn't there. It was a town. And then, bam, there it was. So I turned around. I drove up this long driveway. There was no guard shack. There were no guards. There was no one to question me. Why was I there? So when I, when I got up there, there was barbed wire and fences surrounding the, the complex. But the parking lot was like I was at a Walmart or something. Felt really weird. So I sat there for a little while, kind of processed where I was and what was about to happen. And then the next morning, I comfortably drove in. I entered the front door. Of course, there was a security screening area, but and I already knew not to bring much. I had had conversations with some of the officials. So I brought my folder with all my speaking stuff in it, my wallet, and my keys. I filled up my paperwork, I gave them my license, and I had to get a locker, which, by the way, is not the same experience as getting a locker at a ride at Disney or Universal, in case you were wondering. Because at that point, I I wasn't allowed to bring anything back through the doors with me except for my folder with my speaking stuff. So I waited. There was a psychologist who came to greet me. He got there. And someone that I couldn't see activated this large automatic door so that the doctor and I could pass through. 
It was like something you would see on TV, you know, and then chunk, and then you walk through the door, and then as it closes behind you, chunk, this loud clanking sound. And it was eerie. It did feel weird because I was in prison. And this was the first, there were two or three experiences that day that made me go, wow, this is such a different life. I'm so glad that I'm able to, to experience this because I never would have understood this before. Like there was a person controlling a door that I did not see. It was a person deciding whether I could enter or not that I did not see. So there was this weird sense of lack of control going on. So we walked through the door and then we walked outside and we were in a courtyard, which was the second experience of what a weird existence this must be like. And it was really simple, but it was powerful for me. So we're in this courtyard and then there are plain white buildings around the center. No flowers, no trees, no benches, no nothing. Now, I don't know what I was expecting. I wasn't expecting waterfalls and garden paths, but it just was so sterile. Again, it was another experience that made me just think, wow, the lack, lack of control and, and the way that these people are living here is something we can't understand unless you actually experience it. And I'm not saying I experienced it, but I did observe it. So we walked through the courtyard and we entered a building that was the auditorium where I would do my presentation and I was doing two of them, one in the morning and one after lunch. And as soon as we walked in, like I went into business mode, speaker mode, right? It's time, it's almost time to go. So I get my papers out, I get everything organized. I'm trying to get the room together. And a few women came in And two of the ladies came. They helped me organize the chairs. They helped me pass out workbooks. And I thought they worked there. But as many, many other ladies came in with the same khaki uniforms, I realized they did not work there. They were inmates. They all had tags with numbers on their uniforms. I began. And I told my story. And I have to tell you, I think telling my story is the only thing that allowed me to bust through their walls a little bit. Because several things happened where I didn't know what I was doing. Okay, the first thing was that, like I always do, I talk about this formula for happiness. And I, I usually give people in my session like 10 seconds, write the first thing down that comes to your mind when I say the word happy. And they write all kinds of things like, oh, my husband, my dog, watching my favorite TV show, my kids, blah, blah, blah. And I remember this woman named Jarman. She raised her hand and she said, doesn't exist. And then other women started raising their hand and they said things like suffering, freedom, kids, loneliness. The third thing that really impacted me, it was so different from what I was used to hearing. I should have expected this, but I I didn't know what to expect. And Jarman did a lot of the whole side to side, you know, shaking of her head for about the first half of our time together. But as this session went on, she began to soften up a little bit. And I really think it was my story and my honesty that at least allowed them to know I've never experienced prison, but I have experienced an imprisonment of sort of my mind as I explained to them what I had lived through and some of the things in my life. So no, I was honest with them. I don't know exactly what you're going through. But they were so gracious to me and forgiving. They allowed me to not understand them and still were okay with me. 
They allowed me to say things that were like, what? This doesn't make any sense in prison. And they still were kind to me. I was just amazed by their mercy that they showed me this love. So this first group, overall, they were open, friendly, engaging. And then it was time for lunch. So this time, um, uh, who came to get, oh, it was a guard, a prison guard. I think his name was Don. He came to get me. He was my babysitter for the day. After the psychologist dropped me off, Don walked me around. We walked back through that courtyard. And this time it was different because I saw women I knew from the first session. They said hi. I said hi. It was just like we were walking around a school campus. And the prison had this culinary program. So we ate lunch in the cafe. And the cafe was run completely by inmates. They cooked, they baked, they served, they cleaned up, they did everything. Everyone was pleasant. The food was good. They were, everyone was nice to the inmates. But it was still so weird. Another experience of, and so it's kind of hard. I feel like I'm um, just at a loss for words because I just kept saying weird. It was like the inmates weren't really people. They were just shadows lurking about. And look, I know they're prisoners. Believe me, I'm going to address that in just a minute. But it was still strange. We finished lunch. And then I didn't know we were going to get to do this. But Don took me on a tour of the quarters. And it was partly what you would expect, like what you see on, on TV, and partly not. Like it was a big two-story, open in the middle, bars on the doors, thing like you see on TV, small cells, two to a room. But then there were the unexpected things. Like the walls were painted by the inmates. They had color. There were women just walking around. I wasn't afraid. Um, The ladies from the first session still, again, were walking around saying hi. There was a woman ironing. I think it was her job. And then I got to go to the puppies behind bars section. I'm not sure if that program is still going on, but I am going to look and put a link in the show notes. So what it is is there were 10 women. Each of them had a puppy that she was completely responsible for from about six weeks to about nine months. And at that time, the puppy was turned over to an agency that would finish the training. So they would either help that or train that dog to be a guide dog or a bomb dog. And so the woman who I spoke with, oh my gosh, she was so passionate about this program. It was amazing. So there were two special cells for the 10 women, five on each side. So they had five beds for the inmates and five kennels for the dogs. And they were responsible for everything for these dogs. Everything from hygiene and feeding them, brushing their teeth, bathing them, all the way through the training. So you can imagine what that did for someone in prison to give them a sense of purpose. It was fantastic. So then it was time for the second session. These women seem more quiet, more aloof. I don't know, maybe it was the whole after lunch. Maybe that's universal no matter where you are. And they were kind of looking at me. I felt like the, yeah, all right, what do you have to offer this us? So I began and they were still quiet. And it wasn't until I started talking about scripting conversations that things kind of began to liven up. It was sort of like what I said to you earlier. I just didn't always understand the world in which they lived. So I would present a scenario that didn't necessarily mesh well with them. So the scenario that we used was someone accidentally bumps into you. So remember, I'm teaching a managing emotions class and part about managing Part of managing emotions is being able to have conversations without freaking out on people. So this was the scenario. 
Well, that quickly morphed into someone cuts you off in the lunch line. And then it really occurred to me like it this was really like being in perpetual middle school, except with more dire consequences. So this woman named, I think her name was Sarah, I wrote it down. She raised her hand and what she said was not sarcastic, belligerent, rude. It was just honest. She said, okay, so we keep hearing in here that if we can learn things, then we can take them out and apply them anywhere. So do people really cut you off in the lunch line in the real world? And I had to think for a minute. And so I just said, well, sometimes maybe. And then we kept talking. And what they made me realize was if someone cuts you off in the lunch line, maybe at Taco Bell in the real world, you might roll your eyes at them. You might say, hey, you might have an assertive response to them. But nothing is probably going to happen. You'll go away. You'll tell the story. But in there, if someone cuts you off and then you have this assertively scripted out conversation, if they don't like it and then the conversation escalates, these women could lose privileges, like communicating with their families, like maybe that week they couldn't talk to their children. That's huge. We talked a lot about choosing battles, but we were able to come up with some things that helped them, but it was only because they were open enough and they gave me grace in order to work through the conversations that they needed to have. When the session was over, I'm telling you, I cried. I did because it touched me so much. I remember a woman named Ariel. She came over and she asked me about my books and she told me she was writing one. Another woman came over to thank me. Another woman came to talk to me. It was during the whole day I was talking to these women. It took me days to process this experience. And and then later as I would watch the show, Orange is the New Black, and I read her book. Um, funny thing is I realized that I probably met some of the women portrayed in the show at my sessions. I mean, I can't know, of course, because they changed the names, but I spoke with all of the inmates, so the odds are pretty good which made it even more real to me. And again, I said I'd come back to this. You know, don't get me wrong. I realize these women are in prison for a reason. They were found guilty of a crime. They're they're serving their sentence. That's what we do in this country. But they're done with the whole judgment thing. I wasn't there to judge them. I wasn't there to criticize them. I wasn't there to have an attitude about them. I was there to help them. And these were women with stories and emotions and families and dreams, and they inspired me, and I will never forget them. The show that depicts them, it definitely has some scenes that I would not watch with my children, even though they are grown. But I tell you what, there are flashbacks during that show that that go with each inmate. How did she get here? What was her life before? She really was a person out there do, trying to do the best that she could. And that's the touching part of the show. I'll put a link in the show notes. And I'll also put a link to the book. The book is far more about the relationships than it is about prison life. Loved the book. I love hearing people's stories, reading people's stories. It provides perspective and it allows us to have empathy when we know people's stories. So I want you to think today and, and going forward about asking people questions about their lives. We live in this world of complex people. Enjoy that. Learn from that. I want to close our time together with five quick lessons 
I learned and I hope you will take away from our time together. So here they go, very fast. Number one, learn everything you can from everyone you can. I promise there's a lesson there for you. Number two, develop compassion. You might change someone's life because of it, and it will surely change yours. Number three, be a good listener. How awesome would it be to be more interested in other people than we are in ourselves? I mean, I know myself. I'm not that exciting. I live with me every day. I know my present. I know my past. I know my hopes of the future. I know my own stories. Sometimes I get really tired of my own self. So I want to do better at listening to others. Number four, save judgments for our own lives. Yep, as my pastor would say, I'm preaching. And finally, number five, let people know your story too. That's the only thing that broke down the barrier between these women and me when I walked in that door. People need to hear your story and it could change their lives. And that is our time for today. I truly hope, as always, that you'll incorporate these things into your life. And I'll be honest, talking about this again has re-inspired me to follow my own advice. Shoot, I get so wrapped up in my own day that sometimes I forget. I really do. So I hope this is a good reminder for you. And I hope you will pass the show link along to a friend or two. I would love for you to go over to TammyWest.com and get information if you'd like for me to speak at your next event. And also you'll find all the promised info and links. The monthly giveaway will still come from leaving a comment on the blog. So be sure to do that. And I want to thank you so much for sticking with me and listening. It means the world to me and I sure hope it's helping you. And finally, remembering our mental and emotional well-being goal, I hope that you will renew your thoughts every day, adopt empowering language that prevents verbal harm to yourself and to others, and make positive mental and emotional choices every day of your life. And until next time, consider yourself hugged.